0: Tomorrow, the Hamilton Tiger Cats and Winnipeg Blue Bombers will take the field at the 107th Grey Cup in Calgary. Today, Morley Scott is live from the Grey Cup Festival with interviews and in-depth expert analysis. This is Saturday at the Grey Cup, brought to you by Crystal Glass and Jiffy Lube
1: on 6:30. Chat began a long time ago at training camp in mid-May for nine CFL teams. There's only two left standing. The Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will decide the 2019 Grey Cup Championship tomorrow at McMahon Stadium here in Calgary. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Saturday at the Grey Cup here on 630. Jed, for the next two hours, we will keep you uh, informed and updated on everything that's going on around the Grey Cup game, not just the game, but some of the activities that uh, are going on on the festival site, uh, the Spirit of Edmund room. All sorts of stuff coming your way uh, today, including a visit from CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosie, uh, which will uh, happen uh, within the next half hour or so here on 630 Chit. It's the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Now, these two teams have not won a Grey Cup for a long, long time. In fact, combined, 47 years worth of drought in these two cities. The last time the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats won the Grey Cup was back in 1999. They did defeated the Calgary Stampeders in a game played in Vancouver. The last time the Winnipeg Blue Bombers won the Grey Cup. Was even earlier, 1990. It has been a long, long time since the Bombers were Grey Cup champions. They beat the Eskimos in that game also in Vancouver back in 1990. So it's a long drought for these two teams. The coaches this week addressed the drought. Mike O'Shea of the Blue Bombers and Orlando Steinauer of the Hamilton Tiger Cats talked about how anxious their teams are to win and how anxious their fan bases are to celebrate.
2: From six years ago, the expectations have gotten much higher in Winnipeg and they should. And I do think the, the players definitely know about it. They hear about it when they're out in the community. Um, we've got a great fan base that's, you know, very intelligent and very respectful when you're out in the community. So those conversations aren't anything that the players should shy away from or that we shy away from. Um, it's out there, and and I feel we own a part of it for sure. Um, but some of the players, you know, I don't even know if some of them were, would know the year that it was last won. So um, we've got to live in the present and and worry about this year and not worry about the previous whatever number
3: that is. And for us, you know, it was made aware as we we honored Rob Hitchcock this year. He went up in the Wall of Honor. So there was a a pretty good celebration for the 20-year, you know, reunion, which so obviously there's attention brought to it there. Outside of that, I'm not sure a lot of the guys on the team are, are really aware of that. Um, it, the community is is starving, absolutely. Um, but I would say they're more buzzing. I think the attention's coming from uh, some of the achievement that we've had throughout the season. I wouldn't say it's a focal point. I don't think it's an extra motivator. Um, But I do think that uh, there is a a common respect amongst our football team for those people that came before us. And in our locker room, we have the years that there were Grey Cup champions, and there's there's a bit of a gap. So uh, I'm not sure they pay attention to it daily, but they are aware of it.
1: There's a gap, all right. 1999 was the last time the Hamilton Tiger Cats won the Grey Cup. That was Orlando Steinauer before that. Michael Shea, head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who have been waiting 28 years, maybe 29, if they don't win the game tomorrow here in Calgary. Both fan bases also very anxious uh, to win a game. Uh, I talked this week. Uh, in fact, yesterday was a beautiful day here in Calgary. Yesterday, up to about uh, 10, 12 degrees and sunny, and I was uh, walked around the, the Stampede Grounds, which is where the festival is located, and talked to some fans We'll hear those conversations later on today. Very anxious to win, in fact, to talk to one young group of Hamilton fans who made their plans to come to Grey Cup week at Tim Hortons Field last Sunday in the fourth quarter. The Ticats were beating the Eskimos. They took out their phones, got a hotel room, and got plane tickets, and ended up uh, coming to Calgary to spend Grey Cup weekend watching the Ticats against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, teams arrived on Tuesday night uh, and uh, immediately went to work. Both teams practiced on uh, Wednesday. On Thursday, it was media day, and that's a day that uh, is tough for some players, uh, easier for others. It's a day where both teams have a closed practice and while one team is practicing, the other team is in a ballroom filled with uh, media folks. Lots of microphones, lots of cameras, lots of notepads, and lots of questions. Uh, On media day this year, I talked with linebacker Simone Lawrence, former Edmonton Eskimo, now, of course, a Hamilton Tiger Cat, up for the most outstanding defensive player of the year. Lost out to Willie Jefferson of the Blue Bombers uh, the other night in the awards ceremony, but still had himself a great year. And I talked to Simone about media day and how the players react to it.
4: It depends who you are. You know, some guys just want to go practice and get back in the film room. Uh, some guys are like, okay, this is cool, free food, let's get it. Some guys are all right, like, man, what, I could be laying down. <laughs> it just depends on your personality. But I feel like it's a good event, you know. A lot of guys, you know, like, like like, this is cool, you know, all the attention is on us as it should be, you know, us in Winnipeg.
1: So it's good. If you look over your right shoulder there, there's a big shiny gray cup there. What do you think of when you see that so close? It's one of those things
4: where it's like, let's just get it. Let's find a way to get it. So, I'm like, the process of getting it. You know, you see it right there and you just want to go take it, but that'd be illegal. So, you just got to continue with the process of getting it. So, you know, just practice watching film and stuff like that.
1: What's the week been like so far? It's so different from what you normally do in football. Players are a creature of habit, right? You guys have your regiment, you do your reps, you do everything at the same time, the same day. This week, that's all out the window. How do you adapt? Uh,
4: That's all we're about. We adapt to anything. Um, I think we do a great job adapting. feel like coming out here for a week we played calgary and edmonton out here for a week i feel like it feels the same so it's like we're kind of used to it we're at the same hotel you know we're familiar with the area so the trip earlier this season definitely prepared us for this
1: yeah. how do you wake what do you do on sunday what's your what's your uh, game day ritual on sunday breakfast what are you gonna do uh, play at 4
4: o'clock, so I'll have a I'll get to eat breakfast, so I'll have a nice little breakfast, I'll go over all my game notes Um, I'll I'll text coach and say anything that I need to make sure I know uh I'll watch film, and then I'll call my parents, and then I'll zone out. <laughs> is it a long wait? Is that a tough morning and early afternoon? No, nah, not really. Once The thing is, like, football is like the prize for all this. Like, All this stuff is cool, but the prize is to be able to play on this uh, stage. This stage is going to be dope, and I'm super excited about it. I think that's what everybody's excited for.
1: That's Simone Lawrence who is the Eastern, or was the Eastern nominee for Defensive Player of the Year, lost out to Willie Jefferson. Well, what a great year Simone Lawrence has had. Uh, That's another one of the storylines for this game. His year, of course, started on the first series in a game against the Saskatchewan Roughriders when he hit Zach Kolaris. Zach Kolaris went down, had a concussion, uh, didn't return for a long time. In fact, Saskatchewan traded him to Toronto. And then at the trade deadline a month ago, Toronto traded him to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And now Zach Kolaris starts in the great. Cup game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Quite the story at quarterback in this game for these two teams. You have the Calaris angle uh, and uh, on the other side of the ball, of course, uh, Jeremiah Masoli injured uh, early on in the season by uh, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats and that means that Dane Evans took over. It's the first time since 1980 that both teams in the Grey Cup game don't have the same starting quarterback that they had to start the season. Matt Nichols, of course, started the year for Winnipeg as well and uh, suffered an Winnipeg started three quarterbacks this year. Nichols, Chris Streveler, and Zach Calaris. Calaris came in, started the final game of the year, won that against the Stampeders, then beat the Stampeders uh, in the semifinal, then beat the Saskatchewan Roughriders in the final, and did all that on the road as well in the playoffs. We're going to try and, uh, if we've got time, we're going to hear from Travis Lule later on on the show. He'll break down this quarterback matchup, and it's a great quarterback matchup between these two. It has a lot of intrigue into it. Both guys playing pretty well considering the circumstances. Still to come later on today on Saturday at the Grey Cup. Uh, I went to the Spirit of Edmonton breakfast this morning. It was the first time I have ever gone to a Spirit breakfast. Had a great time. It was fantastic. I could not believe the people there. Uh, so friendly, so welcoming, so CFL. There were jerseys from every team at the uh, breakfast, including the Atlantic Schooners. Saw a couple of Schooners fans there with jerseys on as well. So uh, we will uh, talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Also, the Spirit of Edmonton room continues to rock every night. It is absolutely lovely lit, as the kids like to say. Uh, Playing music in the Spirit Room is, of course, Spoiled Rotten. If you've been to the Spirit of Edmonton, you know who Spoiled Rotten are. It's a great story. They're from Moncton, but they play the Spirit of Edmonton every year. No matter where the Grey Cup is, you will find Spoiled Rotten playing in the Spirit of Edmonton room. We'll talk to them and hear the story behind their uh, travel to become virtually the house band for the Spirit of Edmonton. All that and more, including CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosie. It's all coming up this afternoon on Saturday at the Grey Cup here on 630. Chad, my name's Morley Scott. The game goes tomorrow, of course. It's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Hamilton Tiger Cats think it's going to be a Ticat win. I think they're the favorites. They're who most people are predicting, but of course, you never know what's going to happen. Hamilton and Winnipeg tomorrow in the game here in Calgary. When we return to Calgary, we're on the grounds here at the festival site at the Stampede Grounds. When we return, we'll talk with CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrose. You're listening to Saturday at the Grey Cup on 6:30. It's Saturday at the Grey Cup, and we're pleased to be joined by CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrose. Uh, Randy, thanks for uh, stopping by. appreciate it. How's the week been for you? well it's been really exciting obviously you know we got this uh,
5: game coming up on the weekend looking forward to that but, but you know before you get to that you get this entire you know festival you see the energy that uh, that calgary is is putting in it, it is definitely building off of what happened in edmonton last year but really every part of it has been great and of course it all comes down to the people and they've been spectacular
1: yeah the people have been great the weather's been fantastic which means that uh, the festival site has been hopping yesterday people walking around in shorts and shirt sleeves yesterday
5: yeah and you know not this similar to, Cal- to edmonton last year you know we had beautiful weather this was you know yesterday i think did it somebody say it got up to 12 degrees yesterday and yeah I saw, I saw some um, I saw some golf shirts yesterday, which was a good sign. Uh, yeah, anyway, just you know that it, it contributes to what has been uh, a real success
1: so far. Tell me about your schedule during Grey Cup week. Uh, how many appearances and speaking engagements do you have from Monday to Friday, Monday to Sunday? Well, I, I, it's going to sound crazy,
5: but I, I'm going to guess that I'll probably speak at 40 to 45 different events between Tuesday morning and uh, Sunday night. You know, some of them take a few minutes, some of them take longer, but you know the core themes are all the same. What Grey, Hub, Grey Cup brings us all together, how this is a national celebration and now an international celebration. But it, no, the, the the pace is pretty hectic.
1: Yeah, your last appearance of the week is probably one of your favorites because you hand a Grey Cup to somebody, right? I do.
5: There's one after that, so we do a we do a CFL staff party because we got all these amazing young people that are you know part of the hospitality and I like to go with them and and thank them and then apparently they have a lot of fun into the night and I go back to my room and sleep.
1: Now, <laughs> bad. lots of things I want to talk to you about. Uh, first off when I've heard you talk this week the message has been pretty clear. Think big. It has to be you know look I I love this league I've loved
5: it since I was a kid but this is time this is our time. We've got We've got the second biggest football league in the world, and there is a football world that is looking for leadership. They're looking for a place for their very best, their super elite athletes to come and play pro football. And if you've seen this year what's happened with these young men who have come, they are living a dream, and it only gets better from here. So I think it really is time for all of us to gather around the idea of a big CFL you know, I, I've been saying, all oh, we get used to this phrase. We are the biggest global football league in the world, and we should literally stand a little taller and uh, have a little more swagger.
1: And you kind of united all these great countries and football with your agreement yesterday. Yeah, we
5: did. The International Alliance Gridiron Football, and if you were in the room for that, you'd just kind of know how big this is for our partner countries. You know, after the documents were signed, there was singing and and hugging all these nations coming together—it was very exciting—and uh, and I think we're just at the beginning of a really of, of a really great new beginning.
1: CFL 2.0 was the phrase you kind of coined last year at the Grey Cup in Edmonton. What's the year been like? Has it played out the way you hoped, the way you'd expected? Yeah, uh, you know, we, we
5: decided with the governor's support is to take a step—to you know, not to wait until we had it all figured out, but to take a step. So we've been. I'd say we're probably where we are and maybe even a little ahead. Obviously, we introduced one partner last year, and we now have 11 in our, you know, in our alliance. I think that's a really good sign. But I really think from here it, gets, it grows faster. Get more of these great players. Next year we'll have two on our rosters,
1: uh, three on the practice roster. I think from here it gets pretty exciting. Are you starting to see the tangibles? Uh, I know people want to know what the the monetary value to all this is. I know it's more than that, obviously. But are the tangibles starting to come your way? Well, I I think they are. But part of
5: it is um, everyone kind of has the impression that it's an international strategy. really has a lot to do with the national strategy as well, is reaching into new communities inside of our cities and welcoming them into the league, using these using the ethnicity of our athletes to go into communities that they have not had an identifiable athlete to to root for and use those athletes look Yao Ming was worth a billion dollars in revenue to the NBA because the presence of a of a big Chinese player just literally opened the world to the to the Asian market I think we're thinking about this the same way but Really, the first phase is to get into our domestic communities, all these new Canadians who, frankly, just need to be welcomed in. You know, uh, someone go and give them a hug, shake their hand and, and welcome them in. So, yeah, I think we are going to see revenues. Uh, but the first
1: phase is really letting this take shape here domestically. Uh, a couple things I want to touch on with you, if you don't mind. I know our time's limited a little bit here. Uh, Coach's cap. Did it work the way you wanted it? Are there going to be any changes to it uh, coming up for this year?
5: Well, you know, it accomplished what we wanted to do and, frankly, needed to do, and that is, you know, be a rational, well-run business. But I would like to engage our coaches and GMs and non-player football operations this winter in a different idea, and much as I want to do the same with the players and the alumni. I want to go to all of them and say, look, why don't we join Arm-in-Arm? We know that the future is bright if we can grow the game. The future is going to be bright if we can grow our revenues, if we can attract new fans. So why don't we all come together and find a way to share the upside so that everybody can feel that as they're asked to do a little more and you know go out into a community that there's something in it for everybody when we succeed. And that's a conversation I want to have. I'm hoping at our league meetings get a chance to sit down with the coaches and GMs and really talk about this because, look, my for my money, I want to see everyone do better. I want to see the league grow. I want to see this big, strong CFL. But it has to pay a dividend to everybody who is, who is part of this exercise, and that's what I think we have to do
1: next. All right. Uh, can I ask you about officiating? It's a topic that, especially if you go on social media, it rears its ugly head all the time. I know players, coaches, GMs, organizations, at some point in the season, everybody's mad at the officials. What's your thoughts on the performance and how to make it better? Because I think we can all agree clearly officiating has to be better. Uh, give me your thoughts on that.
5: Yeah, you know, it's um, I, I kind of live in two different worlds on it, Maybe and maybe even a third. You know, first of all, I try to read and follow... Uh, what's being said about officiating and all the other sports around the world and i can tell you sometimes we suffer this in canada we suffer this in the cfl that we're the only league in the world that ever has a has a bad call and that's just not true look in the nba those coaches lose their mind about 27 times a game because they think there are bad calls the nfl last year famously had their had their um, interference miss in the game in in new orleans it's a hard thing to officiate games and uh, to try to think to ever think we're going to be perfect is not a rational expectation. But I do think we're getting better. I love what Greg Dick has done this year with our with more transparency with the teams. He's sending out a report at the at the beginning of every week explaining the command center decisions, trying to make the coaches and GMs feel more part of that. I do think we need to look at more training and development of our great uh, our great officials. So, you know, we're not we're not as good as we want to be, but we're pretty darn good. And I think that's got to be part of the message is accept that it's never going to be perfect, but you're always striving to do a little better.
1: I think we can all agree, toughest job in the world in any sport when you're an official. Uh, last one for you, uh, the game. I'm uh, looking forward to the game. I imagine it's two really good teams. One great team in Hamilton who dominated all season long, and another team in, in Winnipeg who's had their ups and downs but has persevered and got to the big game.
5: You know, I just listened to uh, pinball, and uh, you know he said this may be the most interesting matchup we have seen in the Grey Cup in a long time. It's two totally different teams. You know, Hamilton's really built around speed. And Winnipeg are tough as nails. And, you know, for a guy that uh, spent his career putting his hand in the dirt, you kind of think, well, the Winnipeg's big guys up front with a great running game. That's a factor. But then you've got Speedy B and you've got that great passing game. You know, two very different approaches. I think this could turn out to be a classic. And, uh, I, you know, my, my line is 39-39 with 40 seconds left to go. And then I don't care who wins. And I'm kind of hoping we get that kind of game on Sunday.
1: I, I lied. One more for you. After you get a good night's sleep and a couple cups of coffee, what's the first thing you're doing next week? Yeah, you know, we're just going to start uh, planning for
5: our league meetings in January. Some of the things we're talking about, I, I met with Bob, Brian Ramsey from the PA yesterday, just had a chance to visit a little bit, and I said to Brian, we need to sit down. I want to talk to the players about, you know, just a whole reset, how we think about working together. Let's sit at a table and think about how do we create a, a real a – real, um, partnership with our players with our coaches with our with our alumni i want to see the alumni get more involved in our you know really engage the alumni in growing the league together so i think it's maybe two days of quiet and then we're going to start thinking about all those things and getting ready for the
1: league meetings in january cfl commissioner randy Ambrosi, thanks for your time i really appreciate it and uh, enjoy what's left of the week Morley, great to see you again we are here until six o'clock tonight it's saturday at the gray cup here in Calgary on 6:30, Ched, the Calgary Stampeders, of course, not involved, but they certainly do have a presence uh, at this uh, at this event. Lots of Calgary jerseys, of course, lots of Eskimo jerseys walking around, lots of Rider jerseys. I'm surprised, though. Saw a bunch of guys. There was probably about 10 of them earlier today. Montreal Alouette jerseys, all walking around the festival site. So everybody is represented here at Calgary. It's been a great week for the festival. Let's hope the game stands up as uh, they play tomorrow. Congratulations uh, to the other Calgary football team, the Dinos, they won the Vanier Cup today. Congratulations to them as they beat Montreal. When we come back, we will talk to the keeper of the cup, Jeff McWinney's next, as we go Saturday at the Grey Cup on 6.30 Chet.
0: Return to Morley Scott and Saturday at the Grey Cup. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube and Crystal Glass on
1: 630 Chad. Back in Calgary, we're on the grounds of uh, the Calgary Stampede. It is the Grey Cup Festival grounds for this week. It's been going on uh, since Wednesday. It'll all wrap up tonight. They'll tear it down, and then the focus will shift from the Stampede grounds and the Grey Cup Festival to the game tomorrow afternoon, late afternoon tomorrow. It is the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Grey Cup 107. Tiger Cats got to be the favorites. They had a pretty good season despite losing their starting quarterback in the first third of the year. They rolled to a 15-3. Record, best record ever for a Hamilton Tiger Cat football club. Uh, They got the bye and then beat the Eskimos in the Eastern final which was played last Sunday and now they'll face the Blue Bombers who uh, beat Saskatchewan on the road after beating Calgary on the road in the Western playoffs so both teams kind of teams of destiny as they've had different routes to get here but they are here and they will go head to head tomorrow afternoon the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Hamilton Taggrats. We heard earlier from Simone Lawrence and he was talking about his game day and what he was going to do tomorrow morning leading up to game day you know have his breakfast call his parents do that whole thing uh, well every player has your routine. Players uh, of any sport, they're creatures of habit. They like to do their routines, especially football players. They do the same thing over and over again. They have routines and they have superstitions. And the superstitions for uh, Brandon Banks, receiver for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and Dane Evans, his quarterback, both involve candy. Uh, I just eat a Snickers before every game and tie my
4: left shoe before I tie my right shoe.
6: Yeah, actually, that's weird to hear him say that because I'm a Skittles guy, and then uh, I always do my right shoe before my left shoe, and I, yeah, I promise. And I got to put my pants on, like, immediately after the tights, so tights, pants, shoes, and then everything else follows in whatever order. So it's a
1: Snickers for Brandon Banks and Skittles for Dane Evans tomorrow before the game. Now, if they go through their routines correctly and they do everything they're supposed to do on the field as well, they'll win the Grey Cup tomorrow. Uh, To find out a little bit more about the Grey Cup, let's talk to Jeff McWhinney. He is the keeper of the cup. You will recognize him if you see him because... He's got a suit on, and he's got white gloves. And he's also got the gray cup beside him everywhere he goes, and man, he loves his job. Mr. Scott, I'm,
7: I'm a, a fan with a real cool job. Um, I, I have an opportunity to take care of 3,802 players to date from 1909 to Dateline 2019. You know, soon to be November 24th, we'll take care of uh, 44 plus four more. And... Uh, We've had 100,000 players go through this plate, so we were. This structure here is probably the greatest storybook history book we have in Canada. We we talk about the the great war heroes we have here, the guys that've done community work, just off the gridiron. It, it's pretty cool. I'm looking at one plate right now, the the one that's uh, we've suspended play for the war years. At that point, we had 6.7 million people in our country. We started with 3.7, and uh, look, we have 38 million people in our country, and it's it's just a wonderful
1: locker room when you look at it. So you go everywhere with this cup um, what are the biggest questions you get asked what are the questions you get asked most often about the great cup you know
7: I think probably if we were to look back over the last few years I think is one of the biggest questions what ha- are we going to get bigger and the uh, the question is now or the answer to that question is we are going to vacate retire replace so 2019 will give it a full house so 2020 when we go to Regina, whoever wins there will, there will be a vacated place, position towards the top of the it'll be the 1909 or the 1924 they've not decided So where do those plaques go? Obviously be, they're going to go off and go somewhere Yes, they'll have a, a special spot in the Hall of Fame uh, We must revere them uh, because if people were to know exactly the, uh, uh, the constitution of this of this great cup these men either fought on the gridiron or they fought in the theater of war. When we're that early, and, and we weren't even uh, half a century old, and we've we were we were turning into World War II. So I think that we have to revere these men in a, in a way of you know honor them for their their athletic prowess, but also for their uh, for what they've done for our country. How many names did you say around here? Three thousand eight hundred two.
1: Whose names on it the most? Uh,
7: right now, we're looking at. You, you, you might see Wally Bono uh, a number of times. It, it goes. Uh, it, you know, you see Hugh Campbell quite a few times. Uh, there's um, the gentleman from Winnipeg, and I just blanked out on his name. <laughs> uh, 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 and he's ran at the tip of my tongue. Forgive me, but uh, we're. Uh, but we see a lot of the, sure. you know, you talk about Hamilton and Winnipeg. You're Cal Murphy? Uh, you know, Murphy, he has a lot in it. He, he has uh, what, yeah, 10 rings, 10 rings. But if you're looking at head coaches, you know, he, the uh, Wally Bono
1: is still number one. Yeah. Um, What's the process uh, Sunday? Uh, where are you? Game ends. What happens? What are you doing?
7: Okay. Th- uh, well, Saturday night, we'll do the final clean. We'll get a Grey Cup ready. We'll move into... The commissioner's breakfast no one will touch the cup except for the trustees so we then go to we're sequestered at the game and three minutes before we go to uh out on the field rcmp will then take the take the cup that was inducted by uh, in 1987 when we took the structure from our great 84 to 88 uh, commissioner mr doug mitchell he's the one who gave us this and and authored this by putting all these men on here and being able to to revere them at any time so three minutes to go the rcmp the the icon of our country will take that out and present it to the captain uh, at that point when it's presented and we determine the winner someone's going to sign off for the cup because they will take that for 60 days. Mm-hmm. And then it's out of your control at that point? Out of my control. It's like a kid going away to, to school. Like, you know, hey, listen, go <laughs> it's home. It's hard for you, eh? Yeah, go home, don't drink too much and come back in one piece. <laughs> Does it ever not come back in one piece? You know, it, that we've had situations like that and I, you know, and hopefully in the years to come we'll have more uh, the te- the teams and the players that are coming over uh, whether they're Americans, Canadians, Mexicans, you know, with the two, CFL 2.0, they're going to understand Understand the history and the reverence, and what this really stands for. So there might be a little more respect added to it.
1: This week must be so cool for you because you take it to the spirit of Edmonton, you take it to the rooms, you take it to all the events. So many people must get so excited when they see the Grey Cup. It, you know, you, you get
7: fans of the new fans, you get the the long-term fans of 25 and 35 uh, members, of, uh, your members of uh, season ticket holders from any one of the stadiums. Whether you're talking McMahon, you're talking. IG Field or the old Winnipeg Stadium. You go to Hamilton, go Montreal, Ottawa. It's just wonderful to be able to take any one fan, and the cool part is they're standing by another fan that's not even from their city, and they're and they're partying with them.
1: Yeah, and it's, they're and they're all looking for where their team is on the cup. Oh yeah, and, it,
7: and that's the that's the wonderful argument is how many. It, I love seeing the rivalry when you you pull say a Montreal and an Edmonton guys, and they argue about how many times their their names are on the team. The Saskatchewan it was even though they're on four times. They've been around for a long time. And, and really, Saskatchewan is credited for throwing the first touchdown pass in 1929 in the, in the Great Cup. So there's a lot, we've added this ingredients of making the, great, the greatest game in the world here. Do you go to all the parties to protect it? Uh, we, you know, there's two of us, of course. And we, protection here, I think we've got to be real careful with that because this is the People's Cup. Um, it's amazing when you can walk into a room full of people sometimes a stadium full of people, and they just, they revere it, and they stay away from it, and they go, they ask the question, may I, may I touch it, may I engage, may I? and they are very respectful. We got, this is the, truly the greatest country in the world, the greatest locker room in the world, 38 million people in my locker room.
1: Jeff McWinney loves his job. There's no doubt about that. He's the keeper of the Cup, and it was great to spend a few moments with him and learning a lot about the Grey Cup. So it's kind of neat that this year's Grey Cup champion, they're going to be the last team on the Grey Cup before they start taking teams off. So as he said, they'll have a full house in the winter next year at the game in Regina. Uh, uh, They'll take some names off, uh, some teams off, and start putting some new uh, empty plaques on. Uh, It is uh, 442 on 630, Ched. We are Saturday at the Grey Cup here in Calgary. Uh, Lots more to come your way. As we continue from Calgary, uh, it's of course the Blue Bombers and the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the big game tomorrow. This is Morley Scott. You're listening to Saturday at the Great Cup on 630
0: Chad. Join the team with 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers, sponsored by Japanese Village. You could win a spot in the Edmonton Oilers team photo, a game day VIP experience, and more. Listen weekdays for the daily code word. Enter it at 630chad.com. We return to Morley Scott and Saturday at the Grey Cup. Brought to you by Crystal Glass and Jiffy Lube on 630 Chad.
1: The game's not till tomorrow, but the party's been going on since, well, probably late Tuesday and really got rolling Wednesday and Thursday, and it's cooking right now here down on the festival site on the Stampede Grounds in Calgary. Uh, there was a competition held uh, this year heading up to the Grey Cup, and the uh, the prize was a trip to the Grey Cup and all sorts of backstage access at the Grey Cup. Uh, the contest was simply this. It was put on by Bel Air Direct, and what you had to do was you had to be coach for a day and you had to deliver a pep talk to your team. And here is the winning entry from uh, Andrew Merrigan.
6: In the end, there's only one Grey Cup champion. One game, win or lose, no tomorrow. This is the culmination of the season. This is the beginning of a legacy. It's just like me, the Bel Air direct coach for a day. Not a season, not a year, one day, no tomorrow. So no tomorrow means we have nothing to lose today, except the game, don't lose the game. That is very important. Look, I may not have played a single down of professional or organized football, and I may be wearing a gaming headset right now, and we may be standing on a baseball field, but you, are the brotherhood of nasty Eskimos. And together, we are one empire. So when you go out there, under the lights, remember, the game is 60 minutes, but legacy lasts forever. So play like there's no tomorrow, because for my coaching career, there simply isn't. Now go get them.
0: This is Saturday at the Grey Cup with Marley Scott, brought to you by Jiffy Lube and Crystal Glass on 6:30. Chad, it
2: seems like forever that we've had two coaches sitting in front of us that haven't been here in those seats before and answered this next question. Um, Jim Shaky Hunt uh, of the Toronto Sun for all those years covered 50 Grey Cups. Always used to when he got bored with one of the X's and O's answers or whatever from the coaches, he used to stand up and, and, uh, and ask them about uh, their philosophy and plans uh, to tell her team uh, in terms of whether or not to have sex during the week. <coughs> Your opinions, please.
3: I say do what got you here.
0: <laughs>
3: that's, that's what I would say. I'm not, uh, that's what they do is what they do. And uh, that's what I have to say. Well, it's been uh, eight years since
2: we've climbed into this position. And another 29 since we finished the job. So there's going to be some nerves. And the uh, expectations are very high. And the anticipation can sometimes ruin the event. So I guess my guidance to the players would be, you know, don't exhaust yourself in the warm up. <laughs>
1: that's good. Uh, that is Michael Shea. Uh, before that, Orlando Steinauer. And uh, Michael Shea won the question for sure. That was from the Coach's News Conference, the final question that's always been asked for many, many years. And Michael Shea left them laughing. We apologize for our technical difficulties. We believe we got everything back on track now. So thanks uh, once again for hanging out with us. Uh, we still have another hour to go here from uh, the uh, festival site here at the Stampede Grounds in Calgary. Right now, though, we're going to head to the City 24-hour news center. You're listening to Saturday at the Gray Cup.